All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. everybody welcome to dropping the gloves i'm glad you're joining us i hope you enjoy the show i know i'm gonna have a good time doing it because tim's here right tim how you doing my main man hello john thanks for having me back again this is great anytime you're uh, you're, the invite is out there perpetually what are we doing today tim i did the little intro last monday and it seemed to go over well we got a lot of positive feedback why don't you give a rundown of what the old dropping the gloves is going to be up to today yeah, we got dozens of tweets saying, oh, my God, John, what an intro. Amazing. You've, you've outdone yourself. How are you ever going to top this? So we told the response was all positive. And I, yeah. I don't want to understate that. It was a great intro. I'll take it from here. Today, we're going to do um, <laughs> a little bit of a, a, a podcast that we don't usually do because there's a lot of teams that we don't talk about. You know, obviously we have our favorite teams. Tim's you're you're an insider on a lot of on a lot of teams around the country. But there are a few teams we're still trying to chisel our way in. You know, they're a little bit of a a tougher nut to crack, so to speak. So we're going to talk about those teams. We're going to the Winnipeg Jets will break down the Anaheim Ducks, the Dallas Stars, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Minnesota Wild, and the oh, the old Seattle Kraken. That uh that storied franchise of the Seattle Kraken. We don't talk about these teams a lot. And that's our fault. We should talk about every team. Everybody should get their time in the sun, if that's what you want to call it, of us talking about teams. But we tend to talk about the teams that, you know, make a lot of noise. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. So today's episode, that squeaky wheel is getting no grease. We're going to talk about all these franchises, how they're doing, where they were supposed to start, what their prediction was to start the season, how they're doing, where they're trending, what's going on inside, and this and that. And it'll be a nice podcast for all of these fan bases that feel left out. So if you're not a fan of these teams, you can just change right now because this is what we're going to do today. We'll touch on some current news, but I think it's important to give everybody equal airtime. Don't you, Tim? I do. I do. And we tend to hear it when someone's like, hey, you glossed over this. Or you never talked about these guys or this team. So we're here to get caught up and make everybody happy. And it's hard because the Edmonton Oilers did just lose the other day to gosh, who beat them? It wasn't, it wasn't, it was, did you Detroit, Detroit Red Wings beat them? So I, yeah. I want to talk about that. And the Leafs just finally lost to the LA Kings. They got the Philip, the no bug all of a sudden they can't beat Philip. The no, he came in, just had his way with the Leafs. Well, we're not going to talk about that. 
we're not going to talk about that. We're going to start with the Winnipeg Jets, a team coming into this season with just a massive question mark on them, right? Who are the Winnipeg Jets? They had immense expectations the last five, six years where everybody thought they were Stanley Cup contenders. Everybody was so excited about the Winnipeg Jets, and they just continued to let people down. It was just an, a year after year of just high expectations and a complete failure. I don't know if it was injuries, if it was them not producing, or what it was. They started off with a team with a fantastic defensive six. They had the best decor in the NHL for a few years. They completely revamped their team, and they went all offense. They had a great offensive team. That didn't seem to work out. And now we're in this iteration of the team, the 2021-22 Jets coming into this season. What was your expectations for Winnipeg, Tim? Were they even on your radar at all? Uh, they were probably just like the second tier team in terms of like high expectation. I didn't have them up with the top teams in terms of like, I don't know who's going to go on a deep playoff run, who do I expect to win their division, but they are a strong team. They have a strong roster. Um, they had some question mark. They made a big move last year, obviously getting rid of line and bringing Dubois in. I would have expected them to pretty much be right where they are. They're third place in the central right now. Um, they lost last night, but they're four, one and one at home. So they're pretty, pretty good at home, but they're two, two and two away. So they've lost four out of six games um, when they're not playing in their own barn, which has contributed to why they haven't been stronger off out of the gate. I think the main factor right now that if you're a Winnipeg Jets fan, you should be really, really excited about this team is that they're, they are in third in the central, like you said, but their top players that they expected coming into this season have not produced at all. Like the guys who have been there, their guys to pull the weight, the Blake Wheelers and the Shifley's, they are not playing that well this season so far. Shifley's got five assists. Wheeler's got two assists. That's it. And you're still third in the central. You're still competitive every single night in and out. It's because the young guys have picked up their game. The Kyle Connors, Andrew Copps, and Pierre-Luc Dubois, like you mentioned, the big guy they got for Patrick Laine. He himself said last year he wasn't himself because of COVID, because of all the, the stuff that came along with it. He was very fatigued. He just didn't feel like himself. He's slowly had a very good start to his season. He's got 11 points in 12 games. He's playing on their top line. He is the guy they traded for. They needed a centerman. They needed a guy to anchor down that first line, and he has taken that role, and he's played really, really well. So with especially with Shifley being out, it's been a really big bonus for the Winnipeg Jets. Him and Kyle Connor seem to have clicked. The Another big change this year for the Winnipeg Jets, I think, getting Nate Schmidt. You know, he, the experiment in Vancouver with Nate Schmidt, they got him from Vegas. They thought he was going to be this big puck moving defenseman in Vancouver. He was going to be electric up and down that ice. He was going to just fly with all the fast forwards that they had. It didn't seem to work out in Vancouver for whatever reason. The guy that he was in Vegas didn't translate to Vancouver. I don't know why he ends up in Winnipeg this year and he is having a really good season. Nate Schmidt is one of these defensemen who is just exciting to watch. Have you ever watched him play? He's just all over the ice. He's like a water bug. Yes, he makes a lot of mistakes, but he also makes some really fantastic plays. I don't know. Have you seen him? I kind of cut you off when you're about to talk to him. Yeah, I've seen him play. Um, he's a good player. But going back for a second, you you kind of glossed over Kyle Connor. I mean, we talk about the hot starts, obviously, like what's, what what um, – uh, McDavid and Drysdale are doing is kind of historic. Ovechkin got the best start of his 17-season career. Kyle Connor is fourth in the league in points right now. He's got eight goals, eight assists. He's looking every bit that that elite number one winger, winger really. And he's you could say he's the top three, top five left winger in the league right now, or even winger of, of either side. He's really, really producing well. And, I mean, like they, you said, you Shifley and Wheeler haven't produced much. Ehlers is probably kind of middle of the road. Not disappointing, but not quite what you want from him. 
Kyle Connor's done everything they, they've asked him and more. He's done really, really well so far. And he's done it since he's entered the league. Like he was a first round draft pick in 2015. And I don't know if it's his name. He has a very boring name, but no one talks about him, right? It's his face too. His face. He's just got a very mundane face, Kyle Connor, whatever. Maybe people overlook him. Since he's came into the league, he has consistently averaged a point per game. That's that's like a superstar status, but no one talks about him when they think of Winnipeg. They think of a Shifley. They think of the Wheelers, the Lines, the Dubois, or the back end, or Hellebuck. He gets a lot of press in Winnipeg. But when you look at this team for the last four years, their best player has been Kyle Connor. And it's right there on paper. He's very defensive responsibly. Like he, he, he learned how to play in college. I think most guys who come out of college, they learn how to play the game. Mind you, he was only there one year, but still you, you have a little more time to teach the game when you're in college. You don't play three, four games a week. You play twice on the weekend. You have the whole week to drill, to, to learn how to play the game. I don't want to say the right way because there is no right way to play the game. It depends on what, you know, who the coach is and who you're trying to play for, but you learn how to play a well-rounded game. I'll say you, you learn how to play in all situations, defensively, offensively, special teams. So Kyle Connor does it all. He's on their first power play unit. He's the best player on the team. And yeah, I, I'm sorry I glossed over it, but boy, oh boy, he's just a really special player. I just want to move on. Can I move on to the defense? Yeah, please do. Is that okay with you? Because I don't want to understate how improved this defense core is. They bring in Brendan Dillon, who, you know, he, he is what it is. He's got a high contract. He's got a big number next to his name. And the reason he's got a big number next to his name is because he's very good defensively. He does. He knows how to play his type of game. He's not going to go out there and try to be offensive. He's a meat and potatoes type defense. And you pair him with Neil Pionk, who, in my opinion, is one of like, the most underrated defensemen. Not most underrated, but he is underrated. He, he gets a lot of points. He's on their second power play unit. He's anchoring that. What does he have? He's got 10 points this year. To two and eight, 10 points. He's got five power play points. So it, it's a pretty good place to be if you're Winnipeg compared to last year or a few years back when your defense was just atrocious and you had a mass exodus of every defensive talent on your team. And now you're looking at your line combinations. You're going, oh, okay. You know, I could throw Dylan DeMello in the third pairing. He's a good serviceable defenseman. I got Dylan and Pionk and Morrissey and Schmidt. That's a pretty good top four. And then what helps everybody is you have an MVP candidate between the pipes who has been struggling this year and you're still third place in the central. So don't look now your top players are not playing that well in Winnipeg. They've been struggling all season long to get, to get the ball rolling. If these guys start to all of a sudden find their way, you get Brian little back. Maybe you get Paul Stasny back. Connor Hellebuck starts to play like the Connor Hellebuck. We know which he will. Don't look now. Winnipeg's a pretty scary team to play when you come into the playoffs, but are we just going to get our expectations high again with Winnipeg? And they're just going to let us down again because it seems like that's where we're slowly starting to head because they had no expectations coming into this season. Now we're talking about them. Their power plays on fire. They're fourth in the league. Their penalty kills atrocious at 31st, which is a good sign for them. If your penalty kill is terrible, that's something you can fix. That's an easy fix. It's harder to fix a power play than it is harder to fix a PK. It's just, there's very few strategies when you're a penalty killer. You're either going to pressure like crazy all the time. You're either going to be in a passive box and just let them bombs away and you block shots and eat them and you'll do it that way. Or you're going to do a combination of the both. When they bobble the puck, you pressure it. When they have control, you just ease up, do a tight box and let them work it around and you wait for a mistake. It's very simple to penalty kill. So they'll figure this out. That'll rise. six. It can't be 65% the whole season. That's really, really bad. So that'll, that'll continue to improve. The power play is a great power play. I like Winnipeg now. 
but now they're going to go on a 10 game losing streak. Well, John, what does it take to be successful in the playoffs? You know what it means? Strong down the middle, back end, and a decent goalie. They have a fantastic goalie. They're strong down the middle. Once Wheeler and Shifley come back, and they have a pretty good decor. I, I like their six. I don't love them, but it's better than what they had in years years past. Yeah, I guess this, my my point is just how important is Shifley to this team's success? Like he's got to stop putting up points and being a player that that. that He's capable of being for them to really win some games, especially when it comes to the postseason. Yeah, and then he pushes, he pushes, excuse me, Dubois down to that second line. And next thing you know, you have a pretty dangerous two first lines where you can have Wheeler, Shifley, and Connor. Then you got Dubois, Ehlers, and somebody else on the other side, maybe uh, Shvechnikov. It's yeah. it's a, a cop or whoever it may be, but it's a pretty good lineup. You got some, you know, big boys back there with Adam Lowry. So I like Winnipeg. I've always, you know, liked Winnipeg. I like to play the games, but for whatever reason, they just can't translate that into playoff success. I don't know why, but who knows? Maybe Paul Maurice can figure it out. Gosh, he's been the coach there forever. I don't know why they don't fire him. You know what I mean? They stick, they stick with those guys through thick and thin. Shovel Day Off has been there since the inception of the team. So is Paul Maurice, I believe. And they haven't, you know, sniffed any kind of success in the playoffs, as far as I can remember. They've never been to a conference final. And they continue to just kind of roll out the same message. You know, we're working Maurice. He's very quiet, very kind of stoic type of coach. And he has the odd quote here and there sticking up for his guys. But uh, we'll see. You know, I think they need to they, – they have a lot of good players. They need to do something. Or they need to make a big change. They don't really make a big change. They obviously tried to do that with a line A trade. That really didn't make too much of an effect. But something has to happen in Winnipeg. It just seems like they're, they've are they been stuck in this spot for 10 years now. I don't know. It, it, they're, it's a good start for them. It's a good start. I like where they're at. The Central Division is the good division. You know, Colorado's going to improve. Nashville's been a pretty decent team this year. Minnesota, will dig into them in a little bit. And then St. Louis has been in the class of the conference so far. So I don't know. The opportunity is there for Winnipeg. They can make some moves. They can make the playoffs. If they make the playoffs and Hellwood plays great, I don't know. I don't know. Am I, am I just setting myself up for disappointment, Tim? Is that what I'm doing? Uh, you, I don't know. Winnipeg just seems like one of those teams that you always seem to gravitate toward. And so far, they've only let you down. I think they might have gone to one conference final like back when Buffalo was still on the team. But yeah, for the most part, they've underwhelmed. I just like the way they play the game. I like teams that play the game hard and are in your face and they have a type of type of guys who a couple of guys who I like, I like Logan Stanley. I like Adam Lowry. I like the way those guys, I like the physical type of play. Uh, Blake Wheeler gets in and on it. You know, Shifley's always in the scrum. I just like that type of style of game. you know, I like the St. Louis's, the Boston's. I just gravitate towards it. The Philadelphia Flyers, whatever it is. I don't like the teams that, you know, I, and it, it's me. That's just the type of person that I am. Other people like it. I don't like the Edmonton style of game. I don't like the Toronto style of game. That just doesn't suit me. I like a more rugged in your face type game. That's just me though. I'm a manly man. You are a manly man, John. <laughs> a little slight jab to all the Leafs fans out there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Moving on to another team in the West, unless you have any other comments about Winnipeg, Tim. No, no. It's cold up there. Winnipeg is the windiest city in North America. Did you know that? You've told me that before. Now, don't look that up. But just, I think it is. 
and they have a couple decent restaurants. But I will say, if it's between the months of November and August, steer clear of Winnipeg. So it gives you September and October. November through August? Just don't go. <laughs> I should okay. have said November through September. It would have made it more funny. But I, I, I couldn't do the math in my head. Now, Winnipeg's a beautiful place. Hometown of Jonathan Taves, if you didn't know that. Moving on, the Anaheim Ducks. The Anaheim Ducks. We talk about expectations. We talk about, you know, building a team. Anaheim is doing it the right way. I, I truly believe that. Yes, they won their Stanley Cups. They signed their guys to a lot of money. The Ryan Getzlaffs, the, the Corey Perrys, the Cam Fowlers. Where is Cam Fowler? Is he still, still on there. Anaheim? Yep. He's yep. got a big deal. They, they really, you know, they went all in. They won a few Stanley Cups 10, 15 years ago. They haven't really been that competitive until now. I like, what's that, Tim? One Thank Stanley God. Cup. Excuse yep. me. I like where Anaheim's at. And I know people are going to say I'm crazy. John, what are you talking about? They don't have anything worth, you know, turning on the TV for. But I like Anaheim. Much like the Jets, they're third in the Pacific. But who cares about the Pacific? It's it's the redheaded stepchild of the NHL. Nobody likes it. And that's no offense to people who have a redheaded child because I have friends who have red hair. Very <laughs> lovely people. But um, it's just a saying, so don't come after me. So third in the Pacific doesn't mean anything because when you win five in a row, much like Anaheim has done, who knows where those wins are coming from? Are they coming versus the Vancouver's and LA's and San Jose's of the world? Or are they coming from, you know, some pretty good teams? So we'll just, you know, take that third place with a grain of salt. What I like with the Anaheim Ducks is how they're winning games and who's winning their games. They're, they're getting contributions from everybody. Is that a word? Am I saying that right? Contributions? You are. Very good. It doesn't sound right coming out. It doesn't sound right coming out. They're getting contributions from everybody. Not just the older guys, not just the journeymen, not just the young kids. Everybody, it seems, is pulling on the rope. They are mostly outmatched night in and night out skill-wise. I think if you look on paper versus every team they play, Anaheim is going to come up on the short end of that stick, in my opinion. But when you look at the results, when you look at how they're playing, I really enjoy how this team is playing hockey. The best player, Tim, tell me about Terry, because I don't think many people know about this Troy Terry character who the Anaheim Ducks have, who is having an, a great start on the season. He's been like the, the key offensive you know, point for this team. And the, the Ducks have won five in a row. He's been a huge part of that. He now has 16 points in 13 games played. He's on a 12-point game streak, 12-game point streak, um, which has just been absolutely huge. He kind of came out of nowhere. He was a pretty highly touted prospect for Anaheim. I remember watching him play for Team USA and World Juniors and everything. But in the NHL level, he hasn't contributed a ton. And now he's just like lighting the world on fire. He's got nine goals, seven assists. He leads the team in goals and points. He looks really, really good. And if you're an Anaheim Ducks fan, like, like last year he had 20 points, the year before he had 15, the year before he had 13. He's already got 16 and 13 games now. So is he going to score 90 points at the end of the season? Probably not. But if he can maintain like close to a point per game average for the rest of the way or even just a little below that, I think Anaheim will be absolutely thrilled. We could be actually seeing a superstar in the making right now. Well, let's let's just – superstar is a – let's not in, throw, throw This could around. be the beginning of a breakout season for him. This could be a, a, a McKinnon-type breakout for him where all of a sudden he's just 
lights out the rest of the way. Okay. He's a superstar. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. McKinnon was a first overall draft pick. That's okay. just an example. That's just an example. Guys break out out of nowhere all the time. This could be this could be this. Troy Terry right is having a very good start, but let's not forget he was a fifth rounder in 2015. So, like, let's pump the brakes in a little bit on the superstar, you know, anointing. He's a very good player. Yes, he's got a lot of points. No one's anointing him. Nobody's anointing him. Just did. Him. He said. I he's said this projection. could be a superstar in the making right now. You're we're setting watching. him up for failure. Where yeah, he lands, he's listening to the show. Where he lands, I'm sorry, Troy, if you're a big fan, I doubt he is. He's going to be a good second or third line player. I, I don't think he's a first line player. The reason he's getting these opportunities is because he plays on the Anaheim Ducks and they don't have those elite level of forwards to, you know, take away that power play time or to get that first line time. He is a first, like he's playing on the first line. He's on the first power play unit. This guy is a fifth rounder. Like you said, his points total, he hasn't had anything of note in his career. So it's, it's a really good story. And the reason I was talking about earlier, why the Anaheim Ducks have such a bright future, why I think they're on such the right track, they have a lot of people contributing to their success. It's not just the old guys, the Adam Onareeks and the Ryan Getzloffs. It's not just the young guys. It's all these guys, the Troy Terry's of the world. They're, they're pulling the rope. They're doing well. And they're surprising a lot of teams. So uh, I like the way they're you know playing the game. The thing that really, really makes me happy with this team is they're giving the young guys time. Usually when you get a young guy, you force them into the lineup. If they don't produce, they go away. They didn't do that. They put Zegras in the well, – how do you say his name? Zegras? It's, it's, I, I've been saying it wrong, apparently. It's Zegras. 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 Yeah. They're giving him time to develop. The same with Drysdale. They obviously Terry, the, the youngest player on their team, or not the youngest, the, the young guy who is playing the best right now is this Lundstrom kid. Have you heard about this guy? Best by what measurement? Well, all around. I, I think he's been playing. He's gotten the most points. He's getting a lot of eyes on him. He doesn't get the opportunities that the Zegras is getting, who's on the first power play unit, and everybody's talking about them. This Isaac Lundstrom kid from Sweden, he's a really, really good player. He's 21 years old. He buzzes up and down the ice. He's a solid forward. I like him. Keep your eyes out for him. And I, I don't know. <laughs> I can't what believe so you're, funny? you're hyping him up and like diminishing Troy Terry. Troy Terry is nine goals compared to Lundstrom's three. He has 16 po- points compared to Lundstrom's 10. I, I, are you just trying to disagree with me for the sake of it? No, Troy Terry was drafted six years ago in the fifth round. It's a cute story. You have to look at the pedigree when it comes down to at the end of the day, Lundstrom first round pick getting his first real opportunity in the NHL on a, on a, on a substantial line. I know last year he played a little bit and he's had a cup of coffee a couple of years prior, but he's in the league. He's on the third line. He's taken down the center role and he's running with it. I think he's had a really good start to his game. Yeah. Yes. I think he has a better future than, uh, uh, Troy Terry, who's having Just, a pretty good start for him. Be honest. Did you ever hear of Lundstrom until this morning? Oh, of course. I'm the uh, <laughs> Anaheim insider. How okay. dare you? Lundstrom's okay. not an offensive guy. He, he's not a guy who's going to go out and dangle 15 guys, but he's, he's a responsible forward that you can lock in on the third line center role. You know what you're going to get. He's going to be your power play specialist. He's going to go out. He's going to get you some points. For him to have 10 points already, in 14 games, and to be the penalty kill guy, I, I think he, he's having a great season so far. And I, I would take him over Troy Terry any day, who has shown he's not going to put up these points consistently. 
What are you this laughing is, at? This is Lundstrom's fourth season, too. You're acting like this kid is just like giving his chance and taking the run with it. He's, he's already played 85 NHL games. Yeah, and he's not producing nearly at. He wasn't put in positions to succeed. You can't have it both season. ways, John. You can't have it I both ways. I talked to Lundstrom earlier this week, and he's like, <laughs> You've I'm never heard of him. You've never seen him play. They're putting me with players that I can succeed with, the Maxime Comtois and Mac- Mason McTavish. <laughs> so he's getting <laughs> decent players to play with. Okay. And then they got this Benoit Olivier Giroux. Grux yeah, guy yeah. is actually a good right. young player. Olivier I just Giroux. like Anaheim. Yeah, yeah. I like what they're doing. They're going to have a lot of salary cap the next few years. They're going to get out of Getzlaff's contract. They're going to get away from Henrique's. Actually, I don't know, Henrique's there a few more years, but they're going to have some money to play with. They don't have money tied up with anybody other than Camp Fowler. So it's a, it's a good situation for Anaheim. They have a really good goaltender in Gibson. So I don't know. I like Anaheim. Out of all three California teams, I would say they're in the best position to have success moving forward. I want to add one more point to before we move on. They, they brought in Kevin Chattenkirk after he won the cup with um, Tampa Bay, obviously. And I remember kind of being a little bit of an overpay. You're kind of paying for a guy who put up solid points and obviously a key contributor to that cup run. But he's got 12 points in 14 games so far, seven of them being on the power play. He's running that unit. He's producing really well. Obviously, he has a lot of experience and leadership, that kind of that veteran presence there. And I think he takes pressure off for Cam Fowler, who I've always liked who's quietly putting up some solid numbers too. We've got two goals and eight assists, and he probably moves down to the second power play unit, the second pairing, which opens up, you know, fa- more favorable matchups for him. So I think it, it kind of one of those things where you just, like you said before, you add one guy, it shifts everything else out, and it's, you know, played out really well for those two guys so far. Well, the reason they brought him in was because <laughs> Ryan Getzlaff did not want to have the worst hairline on the team. And so he <laughs> said, what guy in the league has worse hair than I do? And that's why they brought Kevin in. And then it also works out because, yeah, he, he's, not a, he's never going to be you know, mistaken for a really good defensive player. Shattenkirk? You know, that I think that, yeah, yeah, that's just obvious. But what I was surprised, I went and looked at his stats. He doesn't really put up, like, amazing offensive stats. You know, I thought he was going to be getting 60 points, 65 points, you know, thrown in there a few of his years. He gets 40 points a year. That's like his not ceiling, but that's, that's his sweet spot. I was, I was a little surprised. So this is a good start for him. Everybody in Anaheim have, is having a good start. I don't know if people are just taking them lightly or they're just playing worse competition in the Pacific. Who knows what it is. I like Anaheim. I like Lundstrom and that's where I'm going to leave it because I, I'm tired of being questioned by you. Troy <laughs> Terry is a very good player, but he's no Isaac Lundstrom. Let me tell you that. Okay, Tim, you don't know. You don't you know even I, know if you're saying his name right. I do know because I talked to him this week. You have no idea. You know, I talked to him and then you know what else I did because I was hungry. I ordered DoorDash because I was in such a good mood after ta- talking to Isaac Lundstrom. I said, I'm going to get myself some Swedish meatballs because he's Swedish and it just makes sense. So I called up Ikea. Boom. I had Ikea meatballs at my doorstep in 25 minutes. It was perfect. DoorDash does it all. Any restaurant you want to get it from, any grocery store, you can get food, you can get beers, you can get chips, you can get bread, you can get anything you want, anything your heart desires. DoorDash will deliver it to your door. It's the ultimate company. I love it. Tim loves it. Loonstrom loves it. Everybody loves it. So go to DoorDash on the phone, on your app, on the computer, enter promo code GLOVESDD and get yourself 25% off and free shipping the first time you use it. If you're in the USA, you got to put US on the end, Gloves DDUS. But hey, DoorDash is the way to go. Trust me, 
I know you guys know, but if there's a first time listener, check it out. It's a fantastic company. DoorDash, tell them we sent you gloves DD. Moving on to the Dallas Stars. How the mighty have fallen. Two years ago, they were their Cinderella team. Everybody embraced them. They were going to slay the dragon that is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Everybody was all in. They had so many feel-good stories on their team. The the ragtag group of Anton Hudobin, the backup goalie, who all of a sudden has just sprung into fame. Joe Pavelski, Captain America. I'm not done, he says. He's dragging this team to victories. Corey Perry scoring every overtime goal, it seems like. Their best players, Tyler Sagan, gone due to injury. Jamie Benn, clawing tooth and nail. It was a very exciting, very inspiring story. (sighs) What has happened, Tim? Fast forward two years. They're a shell of their former selves. Everybody's struggling. Sagan is back, but he's just kind of a, a... an average player. Pavelski's only got six points. Radulov, the big signing from Russia, average. Jamie Ben, four points. The only silver lining, I guess, they picked up Holtby, a good young goaltender. Have you heard of him? No, he's actually very old, but they picked him up and he's having a you know a bounce back season after his somewhat tumultuous time in Vancouver. Other than that, it has not been good for Dallas. They have four wins. All of those wins coming in overtime or the shootout. They have not had a regulation win. I don't know what else to say about a team, Tim. I, it, I don't know where Dallas goes. I don't know. What, what do you say about Dallas, Tim? Uh, that that um, regulation win stat. They're the only team in the league that doesn't have a regulation win. That was sent in by a listener named John last night. Blew my mind. And they're still got, you know, they're still are better in the standings than some other teams, which is surprising. This is a team that I think, I don't know, they, they should have all the pieces. I mean, Heiskanen and Klingberg are as good a deep pair as you'll find in this league. And Sagan, Ben, Radulov, Pravelski, like those guys should be putting up points. I don't know why they don't. This isn't a team that's very exciting to me. This isn't a team that I'm really going to pay a lot of attention to, except for maybe Heiskanen. Um, Klingberg's in a, in a, a contract year, and he's not, he hasn't done much. I don't think he's scored yet. He's got three or four assists. Uh, it's disappointing for sure. Disappointing. Do you see them turning things around? Do you think they're going to kind of struggle all season long? They're going to struggle. They, father time has caught up to them. They Their big off-season signing was Ryan Suter. I wonder if he regrets signing in Dallas. Or if Four he just years took, he signed for. Four. I know, for 3.6. I, I wonder if he just did that for the state tax because he knows he's going to make all that money, but he's getting no money taking off of that because they, they don't have anybody good that's young. Other than Heiskanen, they don't have anybody. Uh, Jason Robertson. Damn. He's not. He's not having a great season, but he was a, a, a rookie of the year finalist last year. Was he? Yeah. Did he win? No, he didn't win. No. He was a finalist, though. He's not having a good year this year. He's been out of the lineup a little bit, injured. But <clears throat> I, I just, um, I don't know. When you look at the ages on these guys. Like Sagan's 29, he still has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years left on his contract at 985. Woof. It, it doesn't look good. Jamie Ben, I like the way he plays, but it's a hard way to play. 
Pavs has got, you know, last year on his deal, he's 37. Radulov's 35. Radic Fosca's 27. Then you got a bunch of 32-year-old guys with the Blake Comos and the Blue Clint. I, I don't know what to say about Dallas. They don't have anything exciting. They don't have anything really to grasp onto. They had their time in the sun a couple years ago. They got Hudobin and Hopi as their goaltenders. I don't know. Jim Nail has his work cut out for him. That's their GM. I will say this. If, if I'm trying to revamp this team, I don't even know where to start. You don't have any – you have your own draft picks. You don't have anybody else's to, to trade away. It's just a very – it's a depressing time in Dallas right now. That's all I can say. That's why we don't talk about them. What, what would you talk about? Aging team loses again? <laughs> Young team beats up on old man? Would that what the headlines be? I don't know. I don't yeah, know. That's all I, I really know. have to say. There, there's not much to say that already hasn't been said. Dallas is a very forgetful team, and we'll see what happens, but hopefully the GM can make magic because they, they don't have much going on other than they're aging and they're getting paid a lot of money. So, I don't know. It's, it's depressing. Agreed. I don't like talking about this negative stuff, but it, it, it is what it is, right? It is what it is. I think Klingberg will probably be on trade watch if they continue to struggle being a contract year. They just gave Heisken and all that money. I could see him being traded to a contender down the stretch. Yeah. But, but what, yeah. you get a first rounder for him, I guess he he's their <clears throat> one piece, but he's not a young chick anymore either. He's going to be 30 years old soon. And he's obviously not having his best year, but you know, times change, things change. Maybe they can get hot and play well, but I don't know. It's not a good look in Dallas right now. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. You know what else is ah, the Pittsburgh Penguins? I expectations, Tim, coming into the season for the Penguins. What were they? Were they high? Were they low? Were they just non-existent? Because you, a huge question mark on the health of all these guys. I think you nailed it. Yeah, the question mark. But I think when healthy, these guys had pretty lofty expectations. I think this is a group that came into the season expecting to make the postseason, and and Pittsburgh is notorious for starting slow out of the gates. They've obviously got the Crosby injury. He's back now. Malkin's still – he's skating now, but he's still a month away at least from playing in a game. So expectations, I think it's it's frustrating for them to be last in their division. They are in the toughest division, obviously, and they still have a winning record technically. They're 4-3-3 three, and three. in the NHL term. That's the winning record. So they probably, after their hot start out of the gates – they won, they won a couple of games early. I think remember they beat um, Tampa opening night. Jeff Carter was scoring all these goals. They've come down to earth a little bit. And I think they're just, if they were in the Pacific division, they'd probably be six, two and two or whatever, whatever the math ends up being. So eight, two and two. So yeah, they probably are a little disappointed, but what are you going to do? You're in a tough division. Yeah. It's a direct opposite of the Winnipeg Jets <clears throat> that we just talked about, or the, who else do we talk about? The Anaheim Ducks. Those teams are in a good spot right now. They're third in the central and Pacific respectively because they're in a bad division because they get cupcake games every now and again. When you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, when you have to, you know, circle games in your calendar that you think you have a really good chance at winning, you can take a day off. They don't have any of those. They play the Islanders, the Devils, the Blue Jackets, the Flyers, the Capitals, the Rangers, the, the Panthers, the Hurricanes, the, the Lightning, the Leafs, the Bruins. All of these teams are very hard outs. It's not like when you're in the West, when you play these teams, you're like, okay, I got Arizona, I can relax a little bit. I got Chicago, I can relax a little bit. I got Dallas, I can relax a little bit. Okay, well, I got Seattle, I can relax a little bit. I got Vancouver, I can relax. It, it's not that way in the East. And as a hockey player, when you have, and I know it's it's a, 
cliche. If you have to get up for every single game and play 100% your best hockey in order to get a win, I know that's what people expect out of you because you're a professional. That's what you get paid millions of dollars to do. It's very difficult. It's hard when you have a three and five and you're playing three really, really difficult teams. Guys love taking that night off where you don't have to go 100% or you can, you know, really turn it on for the first period and then coast for the next two and just, you know, sit back and not be in on the forecheck, not have to worry about getting buried, not have to worry about, you know, a guy back checking you that hard. It's very difficult to play that style of game every single night. And that's what happens when you're in the metropolitan division. And that's what's happening with Pittsburgh right now. Much like, um, Anaheim, they've had a really good start, or excuse me, Winnipeg, with their best players being out. You know, they've been subsiding on a first line of Jeff Carter, Gensel, who hasn't had that good of a start, and Brian Rust. They're missing Malkin. They're missing all their defensemen. Every single one of their defensemen has been out of the lineup at least once. Chris Letang just came back. They're still missing three starting defensemen in Dumoulin, Pedersen, and Ruedel. Like that's, that's hard to overcome when you're missing three starting NHL defensemen. But they've managed to play okay hockey. In the hardest division, you're getting the best player in the world back in Sidney Crosby. You're getting one of the best players in the world back soon when he wants to be in Yevgeny Malkin. So I, Pittsburgh's had a really good start. You just happen to play in the hardest division in hockey. So will they make the playoffs? I don't think so. They're playing well special teams-wise. They're, they're, they're locking down other teams' power plays. They've only given up two power play goals all, all year, which is really good when you've played 14, 15 games, but I just don't see them overcoming the teams that are ahead of them. They're in last place, which is crazy to say when you have a winning record, but you're in last place. Which one of those teams above you are you going to overtake? Is it the Devils? Because they've been playing really, really well. You know, they, they've been playing good hockey. The Columbus Blue Jackets are surprising a lot of people. Yeah, I don't see them overtaking a lot of teams. So it's just, you know, the nature of the beast. You are where you are. It seems like the talent shifts from coast to coast every like 10 years, 15 years. And it's like that in football for whatever reason. It just it just happens that way. Basketball, the same thing. There was everybody in the East was good for a while, and everybody in the West was good for a while, and now it's shifting back. And so I feel bad for the Penguins because they have a good team. They're competitive, but you know, you can't always be at the top of the heap. You got to be at the bottom at some point. And they're in eighth place right now. They're in last. And it's tough to swallow when you're a Penguins fan, when you look up and you're like, gosh, we have a really good team, but it's just not good enough where you're at right now. So I don't know. I feel bad for him. Anything else about the Penguins, Tim, you want to touch on? No, other than they probably need to go and get a goalie. Um, if they are going to try to make any moves, Tristan Jari is just, he's not it, but I don't know that that's really in the cards or that it really makes sense for them this year, given the reality of their division, like you just said. Yeah. If only they would have had like a con Smythe winner, a goaltender who they can really like, gravitate to and rat and just throw him in net and plug him in for 60 games. And he's the guy. If only they would have had that. Oh, they had two of them and they let him go. Both of them, Matt Murray and Mark Andre Fleury. They don't like calling onto their goaltender. So I don't see them going, getting a goaltender. They, they like making a splashy trade for a forward. So we'll see what happens. They still have, you know, a lot of good forwards. They have a lot of good pieces who they can trade. If I'm a GM, I would love to get my hands on a Jeff Carter. I'd love to get my hands on a Brian Rust. I'd love to get my hands on a Jason Zucker. So they have some pieces they can move who, you know, other teams would seem valuable. I don't see them wallowing in despair for many, many years. This is the Penguins are a good team. They'll figure it out. They have a good GM. They have a good system. Um, it just won't be this year. They, they have kind of drawn the short straw in this division where they're just not the team this year. So what are you going to do? Pittsburgh is good. A team that is kind of drawing the long straw so far this season is the Minnesota Wild, one of my former teams, my first team. 
They're playing well this year, or are they? They're second in their division, the aforementioned Central. Winnipeg's in third. St. Louis is having a great start. They're in first. Minnesota Water in second. Their big offseason re-signing, the guy who held out, he had a gazillion-dollar deal coming from some Russian billionaire, Kirill Kaprizov. He signs a big ticket. Hasn't really lived up to the bill. The guy, the Calder Trophy winner, nine points, one goal, Tim. What's going on with Kirill Kaprizov? Why has he not been the player that he was? You're a Minnesota somewhat pseudo. No, I'm the Minnesota insider. I'll tell you why. I'll tell why Kirill Kaprizov hasn't produced. It's because he got that coin, baby. He had such an outstanding, much like Cole Caulfield. These two guys shot out of a cannon last year, had no expectations, came in, was the guy. He was so exciting to watch. He read the press clippings, and all of a sudden now, he's a different player. He needs to go back to the guy who had a chip on his shoulder, playing for a contract. Now he's got the money, doesn't really need to show up every single night, doesn't really need to get on the forecheck like he you know, did last season in the playoffs. It happens. It's real. When you got $9 million bucks in the bank, maybe you don't get in front of that lane. Maybe you don't need to finish that forecheck to get that 50-50 puck. It's the reality of the beast. But even with him not having the type of season that he's supposed to have, and he still has, what, 9, 10 points, they're still winning. What's, what, do you, what do you want to say, Tim? No, I was going to say, yeah, he's got nine points, but only one goal. So he, he's producing, he's helping his teammates, but you, you need a guy like that. For the money he's being paid and the expectations surrounding him, you need him finding the back of the net, the net much more than that. The reason the Minnesota Wild are where they are is because of their second line. And this was a second line, even in the playoffs last year, that carried their teams for long stretches of time. Marcus Foligno, Joel Erickson Eck, and it was Greenway, but they've replaced him with Kevin Fiala because Greenway's been injured. They are carrying this team right now. Marcus Foligno is having a career season. I love the way the Moose plays. What has he got? He's got four and four, eight points. He's in on the rush. He's fighting. He's hitting. He's doing everything you need to do to win. You got Kevin Fiala on the right side, who is just a speed demon. He gets all over the ice and he does it very, very quickly. And you got a nice responsible centerman who can make some decent plays in Joel Erickson Eck. They're the reason the Minnesota Wild are where they are right now. And not to mention they have a really good D. They pick up Alex Goligoski, Minnesota native. Jared Spurgeon is one of the best offensive defensemen in the entire NHL. Jonas Brodeen, you can say the same about him. He's very similar to Jared Spurgeon. Dumba, everybody knows about Dumba. He's a good, solid defenseman. That's that's all there is to know about Minnesota. Cam Talbot's been playing really great. They've gotten some good minutes out of him. So the only thing that scares me, and this is why I say at the beginning when we started talking about the Wild, are they really good? Their goal differential now is zero. They've given up 30, they scored 30, excuse me, 36 and 36. They've won four games in overtime or shootouts. They've only got four regulation wins. When you're getting that kind of puck luck in overtime in the shootout where you're winning those types of games, usually you kind of average out around 50%. You win half of those games. They're bottom 10 on the PK. They're bottom 10 on the power play. Can they maintain this with that kind of puck luck and that bad special teams? I don't know. They're they're one of the very few teams who are in second, first in their division who have a, a neutral goal differential. It's not what you like to see out of a team that's you know competitive. You want to see you putting away teams. You don't want to see a team just eking out wins night in and night out, constantly going to overtime, constantly having to grind it out. That doesn't seem like a team to me that's you know bodes well for the future. That they're a Stanley Cup contender. Am I wrong on this, or is there kind of a little? panic button in Minnesota where, okay, if puck doesn't bounce this way, we're, 
all of a sudden we're in seventh place in the division. Well, that's, no, you have a good point. That's some good investigative digging there. Like some of the, the stats might be misleading in their wins that is not sustainable. I think it all comes down to, and I know it sounds like a cliche, but your best players have to be your best players. They need more from Caprizo. They need him to find the back of the net. I don't know how, how reliable Cam Talbot's going to be. He's seven and two right now with some good peripherals, but gosh, he's, he doesn't inspire confidence in me. Um, they're just, I don't know. They're going to do what they always do. They're going to probably, they're going to do pretty well. I could see them winning maybe a playoff round, depending on who their matchup is. And then no one's going to take them seriously to, to be a contender to go on a deep playoff round. That's just, that's just me. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's a good start for them. Much like the Winnipeg Jets, they have the luxury of being in the Western Conference. So hey, who knows? Maybe Kirill Kaprizov can take off. When him and Mads Zuccarello are flying around the ice, they're very fun to watch. They're very similar type of players, small, shifty, make people miss. They can thread the puck through the eye of a needle. It's, it's, it's an exciting brand of hockey. So when they're on, they're on. If they can pick it up, pick it up. We know what their second line is going to do. They have a really good defense. How do you win? Boom, strong in the back end, strong down the middle. Minnesota could potentially have that. But right now, uh, there's just a lot of things that I don't feel right about, even though they're second in the central. So maybe they'll prove me wrong, but it just doesn't feel doesn't feel right. You know what else doesn't feel right? The Seattle Kraken. They came into this season, obviously the expansion team, no expectations at all. And they are living up to those expectations. No expectation whatsoever. They're last in the Pacific, the worst division in hockey. They their offense has been everything that we thought it would be. Not not terrible. You know, not historically bad, but they don't score many goals. Their defense hasn't been as good as I think everybody thought it would. I thought they were going to, if they were going to win games, it was going to be three, two, two to one type games. Their defense hasn't been there, which has been surprising. They have a a group of forwards who are responsible two-way Selkie type players, maybe not the same level as a Selkie winner, but a lot of responsible two-way forwards, the Yanni Gords, the Jordan, not Jordan Eberle, but the Jaden Schwartz, the Marcus Johansons, the, the Riley Sheehans, but it just hasn't, it hasn't worked for Seattle for whatever reason. I don't know why they, they got a good goaltender out of uh, Colorado in what's his name? Philip Grubauer. They got Chris Dreger from Florida. I don't know. What well, else do you say about Seattle? We knew that they weren't going to be a high-power offense team just by the roster they selected. It was such a different approach in building a team than Vegas took four or five years ago. Um, and they're trying to win a lot of games one nothing. And they're, you know, for being a last-place team in their division, in the worst division, being minus eight in goal differential as a team isn't too bad. Um, I think you'd like a little bit more of offense out of your guys. I mean, Everly's got seven, ten, of, who's surprised everyone so far. He's got six goals. He looks really good. I think the story around this team is really the goaltending they're getting. Bill Grubauer came up with Washington, was was not that great. And then he all of a sudden he excelled and had a Vezina, you know, nominee worthy season last year with Colorado. And everyone thought maybe he was a franchise goaltender, maybe this is who he is, or maybe he's a product of of the team in front of him. And now right now he looks like the former or the latter, sorry, because he's he's four and five. His goals against is not terrible, two point nine seven, basically giving up three goals a game. Save percentage, 0.886. That's just that's just not the stats you want out of a, a, your number one goaltender and their backup goaltender, Chris Dreedgear, who had a really strong year in Florida last season, has only had one start. Uh, he's 0-1 and is letting up more than three goals in the in the two appearances. So, yeah, I think, I think th- that's really the story there. The defense has been pretty solid. The offense has been what you thought it would be, what you expected it to be. But these two guys, I think, both had great seasons last year that right now it looks more like a mirage than who they actually are. Yeah, I don't think the defense 
has been that solid. Um, but what are you going to do? They're outmatched, outgunned when it comes offensively every single game. Um, you you kind of you, you can't win games when you're playing your heels all the time when you're constantly chasing the game, and that's what it seems like Seattle's been doing. It's showing zone time; they're always in their zone, so they, they're going to struggle. They're they're going to struggle to win games. It is what it is. They spend a lot of money this offseason on their back end, so hopefully those guys can figure it out and kind of shore up. You know, the back end when you got Alexiak and Larson and Vince Dunn and Mark Giordano, that should be your strength. And right now, I feel like. <laughs> It's, it's one of their weaknesses, but they don't really have that much strength in this team. So it, it's what happens when you're an expansion team. I think Vegas kind of surprised a lot of people and their GM really did a good job of, I don't want to say deceiving people, but he made a lot of under the table deals and maybe he didn't. I, I don't think people knew how to take on an expansion draft. I think people were wise with Seattle. They prepped the whole season for the expansion draft. They weren't sitting there with players they couldn't protect and they wanted to keep. And there was this and that they didn't have to make those deals in Seattle felt the effect of people being more prepared this time around in Vegas. People weren't prepared. So this is the type of team you get when GMs have the whole season to game plan and they know they're going to lose one of their players. And well, you want to take one of my guys. Okay. You can have Yanni Gord. Because that's all, that's all you're going to get. Him and his bad contract. So ah, what are you going to do? Not everybody can be the bell at the ball, Tim. Someone's got to be the uh, the toad. Someone's got to be, I don't know, the toad seems nice. Anything else you want to touch on, Tim? I wanted to share a really nice message that we got last night. We, you know, I read every single DM and we kind of share them, John and I. John, do you want to read this one that we got last night? It was actually really nice. Who was the guy who sent it to us? I don't know who it was, but he goes, Hey there, former minor leaguer. Great jobs. Great job. You guys, what a great pod short to the point and sweet. Keep it up. You used to be a spit and chicklets guy, but you guys took over. Good luck with everything and keep it coming. I don't know. I just thought that was nice. That's why we do it. Not that I'm trying to, I'm not trying to gear people away from the spit and chicklets, but I think it was, this came from Jan Vordrazka. Sounds like a good, good old fashioned Canadian farm boy. I like it. John Vorgatska. But thank you for the comment, my man. I, I encourage you to listen to Spit and Chicklets. If that's what you want, you can listen to us both. But if you're going to pick one, I, I am glad that it's us. So that being said, thank you all for your support. I appreciate it. Tell your friends, tell your relatives that we're out there. Get the word out on our podcast because we really appreciate the support. Hope everybody has a good rest of your day and we will see you on Friday. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.